This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, Josh Wiggler here. I want to tell you a quick word about our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Yes, we've got a long time to go in a galaxy far, far away because we are talking all things Star Wars here on Post Show Recaps. Hello there, everybody. Josh Wiggler is not here. You might say this is a clone version of Josh Wiggler, if you will, albeit one with a bigger nose and more of a mind in the gutter. Mike Bloom here covering for Josh as we get into this month's installment of A Long Time to Go as we're taking a bit of a break from the Star Wars movies, moving into Star Wars TV. We are talking Star Wars The Clone Wars, the 2008 to 2020, as of late, series uh, CG animated that covered all the events, all the goings on between Episode 2 and Episode 3. This is why it's the perfect spot to do so. Of course, I am not alone in this exploit. I am joined by a fantastic guest. They say that every Sith has a master and an apprentice. Today, I am the apprentice to this master of all things Clone Wars. You have heard this guy's name an incredible amount of times uh, over the course of all this time at Posher Recaps. He is an inimitable force, quite literally, behind the scenes with everything going on here on Posher Recaps. The ship would not run without him, certainly. And I'm so thrilled to be here for his Posher Recaps debut, the great Brendan Fitzpatrick. Brendan, how's it going? That's right, Mike. Fitzy always delivers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and you're wearing your giant tortoiseshell hat. I didn't mention I, that. I until do. This point, I have but... my tortoiseshell hat. I have my goggles. I have my bandana. I have my dual blue lightsabers. I am ready to go. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I, I should have said I didn't realize that we'd have to cosplay for this, but this is Star Wars. Like, that is essentially what you do as part of this fandom, right? Well, yeah, I mean, we, we had shut up Tim on post-show recaps earlier this week, and I'm just trying to compete with him. Yeah, listen, that's that's a tough thing to do. That really is pod racing in more regards than one. So, 
to to again, you know, get into a little bit more of what I was I was putting up here at the top. So as per usual, this is a long time to go, which is Josh Wiggler's deep dive into Star Wars. He has so far covered uh, the Phantom Menace in uh, in January. He covered episode two. Uh, I would say that the Clone Wars. I would say uh, that that's the difficult thing, Brendan, is that there's just so many clone stuff now that I often yes. got this mixed up with episode two. It's it's hard to not say Attack of the Clones and Clone Wars as the same title, and it's yeah. It's, first, we have to have the clones attack, and then we can take them to war. So, That's a good mnemonic device. Yeah, yeah they have to attack first before, uh, before they, have to they hit the game. Yeah, so Attack yeah. of the Clones was talked about in February. Now we are in March. We're a little late to the game. Uh, suffice it to say, there's been a lot going on. There's been a lot going on in the world of Josh Wiggler, which is awesome. For those of you that don't know, Josh has a new job as an editor at Inverse.com, where he has been doing a lot of good stuff. We are super happy for Josh. Suffice it to say, that has left him very busy, especially busy when it comes to watching a tv show like the clone wars so in this particular case uh due to i think josh's schedule it's coupled with the fact as we'll get into this with some of the feedback he's provided he's actually ended up watching uh less of the clone wars than he wanted to mm. uh, he has bequeathed this duty he's handed off the lightsaber onto me and unlike luke and ray we're not going to stand there for an entire year or so waiting for him to pass it off to me i'm going to be covering it for josh on this podcast it's going to be me and Brendan talking about all things Star Wars, the Clone Wars. Now, we're going to divide this podcast into two sections. This first section, I'd like to call the Padawan section, uh, is the spoiler-free section. These are going to be more general, unspoilery takes on the Clone Wars, the TV show. This is going to be for those of you that found your way into this podcast saying, I have no idea what the hell this show is. I've always heard about it and I wanted to check it out. Why should I? Is there an order to watch it in? And we're going to talk through all of that. And then after a lengthy disclaimer and warning, I am going to shift things into hyperspace or should I say spoiler space as we go into the Jedi master section of things. And that is the spoiler filled section. So I'm going to spoil the poodoo out of all things. Brendan <laughs> and I are going to get into all seven seasons. We're going to talk about favorite characters, favorite episodes, how the whole thing ends, how this is going to tie into not only stuff like The Mandalorian, but the voluminous amount of Star Wars projects on the future as well. So just so you know, whether you are a complete newbie slash I've never seen the show before, or if you are just up to your eyeballs or goggles, as you were in, in Star Wars knowledge when it comes to the Clone Wars, we have you covered, and we'll make sure to make a clear delineation between those two sections. But I guess to start things off, Brendan, uh, since this is your first time, you know, not only on A Long Time to Go, but on PSR proper, I would love to hear from you, what is your history with fandom in a Star Wars? You know, how far back does it go? How in-depth does it go, etc.? I mean, one one could say that I was born to podcast about Star Wars, given that I was born on May 21st, 1980, the day that Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back came out in theaters. My so God. And I, and I, I thought was, I had an automatic end because my son was born on May right. 4th. No, you were born on like a actual Star Wars date. Yes, the, the midichlorians are strong in my family. Uh, my My brother had them. My sister had them, and I have them. So I am, uh, I've been a lifelong Star Wars fan. I was first introduced to the movies when I was very young. I was first in line to see the re-releases in the mid-90s. I was hitting up the Force.net 
forums in the late 90s and early 2000s in the lead up to all the prequel shows. As soon as Clone Wars came out, I watched them all. Um, I've read almost every expanded universe novel that came out in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I was really upset when they decided to non-canonize all of the expanded universe when it was bought by Disney. And I actually recorded a podcast with our good buddy Zach Brooks all about how awesome we thought it might be and all the things they might be able to do when Disney first bought Star Wars from Lucasfilm. And then like a week later, they uncanonized all of it. And I was so mad. Uh. But, but um, yeah, no, I've, I've been a lifelong Star Wars fan. I, you know, I'm wearing a Star Wars shirt. Currently, I have two shelves full of action figures and lunch boxes and statues on my bookshelf um, filled with Star Wars memorabilia. It's it holds a very, very special place in my heart. So. What what is it about the franchise that has just, you know, attracted you to it? Besides, of course, the literal DNA connection due to the alignment of the sun and the moon at that date. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a joint thing of I enjoy revisiting the stories of the characters over and over and over again because I find something new every time I watch it or reread one of the novels. And then also I managed to find groups of friends in high school and college and afterwards who cared as passionately about Star Wars as I did, so that sort of helped me stay a Star Wars fan and stay current all the way through. Um, in college, we I was in college when all three of the prequels came out, because mm. um, I was in college for six years. Yeah, it happens, guys. Um, so, you know, every uh, time one of those movies came out, we got together as a group and went and saw them opening night at midnight, and yes, dressed up. And it was yes. ridiculous. And I was usually Han Solo. Nice. I think one year I went as Luke with the robe and the gloved hand. I dressed as Emperor Palpatine for Halloween one year. That Ooh. was really fun because I did like the, I was a theater major, so I had mm. access to old age makeup. So I did like the old age makeup on my face and spirit gummed my hair gray. Wow. So, I mean, having access to all that makeup, you really did have unlimited power when it came to your Halloween prowess. It was very good. Good. (laughs) So then when when the Clone Wars TV show came around, was this like an automatic yes for you? Because I know that certainly there was certainly some pause from Star Wars fans at the time of like, what is this? This is not what we're used to. Right. The TV show was an automatic yes for me because... Before the TV show we're going to talk about, there were the animated shorts that were done in Samurai Jack anime style on Cartoon Network that were like five to seven minutes each, and they were amazing. Yeah, I mean, and, but prior prior to Quibi was Gennady yeah. Tartakovsky's Clone Wars 2003 series. Exactly, and they were they were fantastically done and were just a basically a template for what Filoni and the creators would do with Clone Wars proper, and it was really awesome to get into those. Um, the only reservation I probably would say that I had was the Clone Wars movie, which thankfully we're skipping for a long time to go here, is not the strongest movie. It has some issues, mm. um, including 
people really hated Ahsoka Tano when she was introduced. Um, mm-hmm. People did not like the back and forth between her and Anakin in that movie with her calling him Sky Guy and her him calling her Snips, which mm-hmm. he continues to do throughout the series, but isn't nearly as annoying as it was in that movie. Also, I mean, the plot to rescue a baby hut was a little, <laughs> like, this is what we're spending an hour and a half on. Uh, really? I mean, listen, you know, I, who knew, who would have thought that they would have predicted the future, though, considering what they based one of their, like, huge series off of to come. Rescuing it's, babies is the new is the new hotness, Brendan. Exactly. Well, also, it turns out that's Ahsoka's favorite thing to do is protect the children. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so suffice it to say, there's, there's a lot of, I think, renewed interest and connection mm-hmm. in Star Wars, the Clone Wars, the series, based on specifically season two of The Mandalorian, right? Like, you bring Absolutely. in Ahsoka Tano, you bring, you bring in Bo-Katan Kreese. There seems to be seemingly mm-hmm. more references, as we'll talk about at the end. There's now been a like a slew of star Wars shows that are being released that are going to connect back. So that's where sort of my personal path comes in before we get into the the show proper, because I will fully admit here, I would say in comparison to, I think the other obsessive fandoms that I have when it comes to pop culture, my star Wars fandom is significantly less. I would call myself a fan. Uh, I would not necessarily call myself a super fan. I have seen all nine episodic films uh okay. but i'll i mean i'll be completely candid uh you know i think the, the the prequels and maybe not necessarily the sequel trilogy but like the discourse and these fan base around the sequel trilogy has sort of made me want to like continue to push star wars away from me with a force push you know to like I, keep it at arm's length and i completely understand that and i agree um especially with the discourse surrounding the sequel trilogy has been just so toxic at times as we you know have discussed on this very podcast network in the past when those movies came out there are some very fun yet very contentious and upsetting uh, podcasts that dropped uh, around The Last Jedi and around Rise of Skywalker, and people got mad, and it's, you know, not just on our network, but got mad in general on Twitter, and it Hmm. was just not fun to be a Star Wars fan for, for a little bit in the last few years here, and that's one reason why one, you know, the Discord community we found has been fantastic for reigniting that Star Wars passion because everyone is so calm and cool about how they actually discuss the shows. And we have, we have disagreements, you know, as one naturally does, but nobody's personal about it and nobody's personally attacking people and, you know, for stupid reasons or, you know, racial or sexist reasons, they're actually having discourse. And that's been the hardest thing to watch on, uh, you know, with the, with the sequel trilogy is just the toxic discourse on Twitter and Reddit and other other platforms. You know, surrounding yeah. those, it's just not been not been very fun. But yeah, getting into Clone Wars has been great. Yeah, to, and that's to the thing. That. Yeah, of course. And that's the thing is that I think the Mandalorian, and I've said this before when I was on the the Mandalorian recap this past mm-hmm. season, was like this was the show that. To your point, Brendan, I wasn't having fun as a Star Wars fan really like the past 15 years, and I'm having fun now. Um, And I and I think for me, it was really this this exploration and discovery that like there is quite literally a Star Wars universe. Which again, as someone Mm -hmm. who has delved so highly into the material, canonized or not, you you know that like there are so many people that are involved in so many different ways. I think unfortunately, in dealing with like a really tight-knit group of characters through Mm -hmm. nine films you don't really get 
that mm-hmm. sense. And that's why I, I also just love television as a medium, uh, yeah, arguably sometimes cool. above movies like this, the, 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 the opportunity to have more time and build out more serialization and world building is mm-hmm. just, it's an, it's an incredible thing that television's able to provide that really with the exception of like maybe the MCU movies cannot. And it is so mm-hmm. palpable, not Palpatine, mm-hmm. uh, here in, in the Clone Wars TV show. I am a Johnny come lately to the Clone Wars TV show. Uh, I will say up front here, Brendan has seen every episode multiple times. I just finished the season five finale and I watched a few episodes from season six because we're going to get into various mm-hmm. viewing orders of it. So I pretty much have like 20 episodes to go or something like that. But I mean, I, I would love to just start, you know, by by getting uh, a, a in your opinion, Brendan, how would you describe Clone Wars to a newbie to say a Mike Bloom from a couple of years ago? Who are, who's asking, like, why should I get into this Cartoon Network show that takes place during the time of the prequels? Or, Dis- or the Disney, Disney Cartoon Network, yeah. Um, what, exactly. what I would say is the main thing that it does, and some people see this as a criticism, and I've, I've argued both sides of this issue, is that on one hand, yes, it shouldn't take seven seasons and a movie to fill in the gap between two uh two live action movies but mm. at the same time the way they go about exploring the depths of everything that happened during the clone wars makes it worth the journey because they get you reinvested in these characters in a way that you've never explored them before and mm. also introduces you to you know dozens of new characters who you had no idea about that you will instantly fall in love with and i think that's the main thing is that I don't think it matters when Clone Wars takes place. It just matters that it took place because it's, I would be into this show if it was an older public show or a post return of the Jedi show, just because of the way they've done it. Um, It's you could watch this show and not ever watch anything else. and still, I think be happy from the dead. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that I really like about this and the viability of the show is, like you said, I mean, it only takes place over the course of three years, but as the name implies, it's a war, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like one of the, unfortunately, the many shortcomings that comes with the prequels is you feel like there were almost too many boxes that Lucasfilm had to tick Correct. in the prequels of like what they had to get done. And one of this is, okay, we're going to introduce this big ass war in episode yep. two and then f- finish it in a manner of speaking by episode three right. alongside everything else that they had to do. It, right. like it, it the, was, war's, the war's over at the start of episode three. So it's like yeah. what happened in between? Where is all this character development that all apparently happened off screen between Anakin and Obi-Wan? Now you have it. Yeah, and it's great. exactly. And it, so to yeah. get it a little bit more into Star Wars: The Clone Wars, as Brennan said, so this is basically show run by mm-hmm. Dave Filoni, who, if that name sounds familiar, it's because he is one of the brains behind the Mandalorian, and so you can right. really see the the influence there. Uh, ran for a hundred and thirty three episodes. Uh, aired so it aired on Cartoon Network, I believe, for its first five seasons and then it aired on netflix in its sixth season and then disney plus in its seventh right like what brendan i know that there's there's a long history a long timeline when it comes to the clone wars yeah there there absolutely is and i mean it's it's actually nice to see both the way that the characters and the art 
changed and developed between mm-hmm. when it you can see the differences and appreciate them between season one and season seven and that growth is incredible to watch like you see you can hear it in the voice actors as they become more comfortable with the characters and their interactions with each other um you can see it in the ways they choose to do some plot lines that they maybe wouldn't have done in an earlier season or thought that they couldn't touch certain um one, one of the great things that the show does is it does a lot of exposition for you mm-hmm. of well yeah there's, well, a, big, there's wondered, a big crawl at the top right that says right. everything that's going on <laughs> right well, there's, well this is really cool what what it does is it does like a old timey newsreel style yes. intro to every episode which is really fun and it sets you in the time and the place and tells you what's about to happen and it's like um there's like you know in the night like you always see those clips of old movies mm-hmm. where in the 1940s they would have those news from the front trailers before really old movies and they, these the intro to every clone wars episode is exactly like that yeah, I, I do wish now yeah. in retrospect I should have started the podcast with like a we're coming to you from two distinct locations talking about the Clone Wars because that really exactly. is the tone and I will <laughs> I will I agree that like it absolutely hooked me. I even posted in the Discord at the time like oh does this guy stick around uh, because mm-hmm. it, it, I guess it's invoking again that that long long time ago aspect that that despite everything looking somewhat futuristic in a Star Wars style it is still invoking a lot of that that pastime wartime ethic as well right and it sums up it sums up what you would be sitting there skipping through a crawl for by just giving you a 15 second word word salad intro Mm -hmm. rather than having it be text that you have to read because the other thing that this show is doing is making sure that it's accessible to everyone a kid that's five or six years old isn't going to sit there reading a reading a crawl, he's going to say, Mom and Dad, this is boring. Mm. And instead, you have a voiceover telling you what's going on over some sort of action set piece. And then that that makes it a lot more accessible for people of all ages to come into the show and understand what's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, so there was, uh, as you mentioned, a premiere film that came Mm -hmm. out, I believe in theaters, right, August 2008, to sort of like, like, I wouldn't say the backdoor pilot because it really was like actually it was like not only the front door is basically the entire house of like this is what the show will be about Uh, and so and then it aired for five seasons on Cartoon Network between uh, 2008 and 2013 and then so did the show get canceled or did it just get bought by Netflix and air its sixth season there for some reason so it was canceled after season five it had a really nice ending or what they saw as a nice ending for season five, um, and then they decided that they wanted to come back for a sixth season. And so they couldn't get it to go on Cartoon Network. So they so Netflix was like, we'll, we'll air you a sixth season. And they made a deal with Lucasfilm to animate and air the uh, sixth season. And then during that time, you know, after the sixth season aired, like right after it aired, it was bought by Disney. Then, or, uh, yeah, Marvel was bought by Disney right after the sixth season aired, and then they basically took it off Netflix, mm. like, really quickly. <laughs> and then two, two, three years later, they're like, all right, fine, we're making a seventh season. And it's mm. like, we, they're like, we have things we feel like we need to fix or wrap up, and Lucas apparently had a really good idea 
for season seven. So he actually worked directly with the creators to wow. script season seven. And That's season interesting. Yeah. It's a, yeah. So it's very, it's got season seven has a little bit of a different tone to it and ultimately feels like the right ending to the show. But season six has probably my favorite ending of the three season fin- series finales, quote unquote. <laughs> like it's kind of like Return of the King where there's three yeah. series finales and you can choose which one you like best. But, um, I personally like season six mm. finale the best. Um, but season seven is also like just off the charts incredible in its own way. And I, I mean, I think people should definitely finish it to completion if they start it. Um, Right. So, I, and I also know that there's, uh, I think, a project called like the Clone Wars Legacy, right? Where after that cancellation uh, mm. in the in the sixth season, or I guess after the fifth season, the fans were in an uproar. So they right. said, okay, if if, if Disney isn't going to do this, or if Cartoon Network isn't going to do this, we're going to do this. And I think they adapted a bunch of like what speculated lost storylines into comics and other things. Yeah, so the comics started shooting up. You had Clone Wars comics that got really, really popular. You had lots of, you know, fanfic floating around the internet at the time, Mm -hmm. as it does with any major fandom, where people were just, you know, enamored with these characters and figuring out. Because by by the end of Season 5, everyone's in love with um, the character of Ahsoka Tano. and. The season five leaves you wanting more from that character, and so mm-hmm. the amount of fan fiction that sprung up around that character and what she went off to do is what sort of sparked them to be like, all right, we can revisit this. Right. So, Something interesting that that is uh, also a little different about the Clone Wars, especially in compared specifically mm-hmm. to other shows that aired on the same network. You know, you're you're catching Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and then you come up right. next to the Clone Wars is exactly. these. T- the serialization aspect of it. So unlike yeah. get any Tartakovsky's uh, Clone Wars, these are full 22-minute episodes, and they really range, and this sort of developed, I feel like, as the series progresses, where the first couple seasons tend to do a lot more one-offs, and then right. as the series goes along, you're really going to get like three-episode, four-episode arcs. Three to four arcs. to five-episode arcs, and it's it's intense. Like, I came into this actually thinking I would only rewatch a specific set of episodes, and I wound up watching like 80% of the episodes instead of like 20. I thought I was going to watch like 25 coming in and like come talk to you about it generally, and then I got into like season two and was like, oh, yeah, there are all these arcs I need to start. I, and, I, yeah, I can't just watch one part of this arc. i got to watch the whole arc. So I wound up, like, you know, over the last several weeks watching every major arc, basically, mm. which, you know, by the end of it encapsulated 80 to 90% of the episodes <laughs> to yeah. rewatch. So it was, it was intense. Let's get into that, because one of the, the big questions that when it comes to the Clone Wars, I know I certainly had it, is what do you watch? How much do you watch? Uh, here's a piece Absolutely. of feedback from uh, from Josh Wiggler himself. This is his Force <laughs> Ghost, I suppose, giving his opinions on the Clone Wars. He says, I really like it, but ooh, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. I am somewhere in the thick of season two based on the Reddit Ultimate Order and have been for many months. I know people insist that you gotta watch it all, but I do feel like it's a really high barrier for entry. I wish there was a really slim list that I could crush. With that said, I have loved a lot of what I watched, especially mm-hmm. the Mandalore stuff. 
I hear the final two seasons are particularly epic, so I'm intrigued to get there. Also, I'm really curious to get to Rebels. I want to take the, the Red Ultimate Order and sort of put that uh, in a side card right, yeah. reference it a little bit. Because first, Brendan, let me, let me just ask you. I mean, uh, to Josh's point, is this a show that you feel like, can you, can you sort of give it out piecemeal if, if people want to ask, okay, I just want to watch I, a little bit? Or do you feel like this is genuinely a show that, ev- that you should watch all of? I think you can, and I think the way to do that is gauge the person on where their interest lies. If they're like, I really am interested in what they did with Anakin through this series, you can give them, you know, one or two of the Anakin specific arcs like mm-hmm. Mortis or, you know, if they're interested in Ahsoka, you can give them, you know, one of the ones where she's off by herself with the clones in the middle of season three or season four or the season five arc where she's protecting the kids just to sort of like if they're really interested in that, if they're really interested in Obi-Wan, I would point them towards the four episode arc where Obi-Wan goes to Mandalore to try mm-hmm. to, um, to try to help the Mandalorians like that. I would try to gauge the person on where their main interest lies and then sort of go from there based on what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, when I revisited it this time, I just did it by release order. I was like, all right, here's the one I'm doing. Ones I'm doing in season one, season two, season three. But obviously, you know, as Josh said, that's cumbersome and a lot. And it's the same thing with trying to do it chronologically. I didn't want to even attempt because the chronological list is just all over the place. Right. And I was like, I can't, I can't just do all this flipping back and forth. I need, I need the show to tell me because I'm going to be taking notes. So I had to do it in release order as much as I could um, while skipping a few episodes here and there. But um, I would certainly not point anyone past season five as a starter. Mm -hmm. I would say like I would show them something from the first couple of seasons. And then if they like it, but they don't want to deal with seasons four or five, I would point them to the end of season five and then, something in season six, but okay. It's, it's a really interesting idea that you pointed out because yeah, I, I mean, we even talked about this uh, on the reality side of things with survivor in the past mm. year, like almost curating an episode list based on the person right. slash character. Like it's, it's not even right. necessarily about what are the essential episodes to watch more. So, and from your perspective, it's okay. What characters do you like? Here are the episodes that focus around them, which again speaks right. towards the more ensemble like effort that that clone wars takes above other star Wars films. Absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's one of the best things that it does is it manages to serve every character in very specific ways and expand upon them and their relationships with the universe, um, you know, and, and with each other, like, but, you know, the best thing that you can do is decide who, who you want your point of entry to be and go from there. I think, Mm -hmm. um, if you're not sure where you want to start and starting with season one can be a little odd because it's a little all over the place because you're really starting with clones and you're like, why do I care about these clones at first? And so it's sort of like, you know, episode one starts with a with a Yoda centric episode, yeah. and it's a little like, wait a second, I thought I was coming here to find out more about Anakin and Obi Wan. Why am I starting with a Yoda episode? And so it can throw people if they're coming in with certain expectations about what this show is going to be about, and then it's not focusing on that character right away. They could right. see that as a well, you're not you're not giving me Anakin, I'm out, you know, or you're right. not giving me Obi Wan, I'm out, you know. 
So Josh spoke about this, but there is an sort of ultimate episode order that became mm-hmm. so canonized that even StarWars.com basically posted it. Uh, Brendan just mentioned it. It is basically someone went through and created a timeline of if you were to watch these episodes in chronological order, mm-hmm. this is what you would do. This is the way that I watched it because I basically said like, all right, I'm not just going to like dip my toes into the water. I'm going to throw right. myself into it Gungan style and swim on through it. <laughs> and it was, it was a little, yeah, exactly. It was a little difficult to navigate. I will say the Disney plus interface is not great mm-hmm. when it comes to hopping around episode. It gets a lot easier as things become more serialized where you're watching like, three or four episodes consecutively rather than just saying like, all right, I guess I have to hop all the way back here, but there is an ultimate episode where we're going to put that in the show notes that that can get linked to. It covers everything. It also does include that throws the clone wars theatrical release in there, which ironically enough Mm -hmm. comes third chronologically speaking. So (laughs) it's it's, weird. Yeah, it's, it's odd, but it's, it's, you know, again, if, if you say this show sounds interesting, I want to swallow it all. Here you, we can give you the full list of everything, but I also know Brendan. Uh, there are several lists out there that exist on the internet as to like top episodes. Would you recommend yeah. if people want a smaller slice? Should they go after those types of lists? Yeah. So, like I said, I was thinking about only doing um, a few episodes when I started. So I pulled a list off of IGN from Jesse Sh- Jesse Schneiden, who gave his top twenty five episodes of Clone Wars. But within that list, even, it's not really 25 episodes. It's a, There are several arcs that are three or mm. four episodes that are actually, like, listed as one line item in the yeah, list. Yeah, more, more, like, more like top but, 25 stories. Yeah, so it's more top 25 stories. It's about 30 to 35 total episodes. Um, but it's a really good list, and it is where I started. And then I was like, all right, I see where this guy's going. I'm just going to keep going because, again, once I got to the beginning of Season 2... There's a specific arc that I mentioned earlier that sort of once you get to that arc, you just sort of want to keep going and, you know, not and not deviate too far. So I so I sort of abandoned the list, but it gave me a good place to start. And I think that people would really benefit from from at least checking out those 25 that are on his list. Yeah, I won't go into specifics again until the spoiler section, but I will say, Brendan, I don't think I've ever experienced a show before where I was watching it through this order and I said like, okay, this is good. This is good. I'm enjoying this. And Mm -hmm. then it hits a very specific episode slash arc and things completely change and it ascends to an entirely different level. Again, I won't won't give the specifics until we get into the spoiler section, but I don't think I've ever experienced that watching a TV show before. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people will say like, oh, the first season's not so good. But I don't think I've ever experienced a show before that said, okay, wait until you get to this very specific episode where Um, things just completely leap into a new gear. I actually would challenge you on that notion, Mike, because I think you're doing it right now with another podcast right on this network called The X-Files. That's true. I mean, I guess maybe I'm sort of like, uh, I'm not seeing the forest for the trees because I I don't know. What's right. outside of the X Files? But I, I, that's interesting to hear that. Like, uh, there's like a, a certain episode that triggers that for some people as well with that show. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think you're already. I mean, I think you've hit it a little bit with the end of season one, beginning of season two, when you guys mm-hmm. were talking about uh, those episodes on X Files. Not to spoil anything, X Files, but you know, it, it, but that's what I was reminded of. Listen, like jumping around with this is what you guys are doing on that show, and it's sort of the same kind of thing where you're like, these are all the important ones here. Right. So 
Josh threw this question out to me offline that I, I'll bring online as well. I mean, I'll, I'll come right out and ask it. Brendan, is the Clone Wars the best Star Wars, in your opinion? No. Okay. But it is very, very high up there. It's very well done. It gets you invested in the characters in a way you've never been invested in them before through the movies. Um, at least as far as the prequel characters go. But I think that without Clone Wars, there would be no Star Wars Rebels, and Star Wars Rebels is my favorite piece of uh, of, of Star Wars television. Wow, um, interesting. So, yeah, so basically, yeah. like, so, it, as much as we're, we're lauding this show, in your opinion, this is a lead-up to even a better show that exists Correct. It gets Correct. It gets better. Like, if you're falling in love with Clone Wars, finish Clone Wars and, you know, watch... You know, if you're if you're following along with us chronologically, you know, finish Clone Wars, watch Revenge of the Sith, do Rogue One with us, do Solo with us, and then when we get into Rebels, follow us there because I think you'll really enjoy that as well, sir. Wow, yeah, that's that's yeah. so intriguing. I don't know, maybe it's just because again, my my own sort of like selective piece of the Star Wars fandom. I never heard as of Rebels as sort of like the big to do. I, I for some reason I I always had heard oh, Clone Wars is the one that you want to check out, right? If you want to get into serialized Star Wars, is is Rebels regarded as like I don't know the the less popular of the two for whatever reason? Um, I mean, the the problem Rebels has is that it looks and sounds a lot more like a kid's show, at least at the entry point, like mm. that it was made for children because it was made by Disney on Disney and aired after school on like Thursdays or Fridays. Right. So it was marketed directly and is animated in a style that's like a Disney animated program. And so that was sort of a barrier of entry for a lot of people I know when that first aired. But, you know, much like Clone Wars does, it takes a shift at a certain point. And becomes a lot more, um, the, a better show than, than, um, Star Wars is, than, than Clone Wars is. It becomes much more serialized and much more serious. And mm. so. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, so I will admit again, I, as someone who has not seen Rebels, but where I currently am right now, this may be biased just due to the, mm. the mood that this has, this has put me in. But I do think this might be the best Star Wars for me. Where I mean, I have so and much I love. That. Yeah, I mean, I have so much love for the for the original trilogy for for four, five, six. But I do think there's like some admitted chintziness that exists behind there, specifically focusing mm-hmm. on like the opera side of the space opera. Right, that was sort of like Lucas's right. entire intent. Whereas this is really, you could see them take his idea and really run with it. Much like, I mean, listen, I know it's sacrilege right now to probably invoke Star Trek on a Star Wars podcast, but much like I would say when Gene Roddenberry passes during Star Trek The Next Generation, mm-hmm. how then they're able to sort of take his idea, completely turn it into all these different directions that he would never go and produce right. some incredible sci-fi television. I feel like the characters, storylines, and general like just creativity they were able to explore without necessarily being beholden to sticking with, okay, we have to talk about the Skywalkers. We have to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi just made me so happy and made me so invested to learn about all these people, to learn about all these oddly named planets and all of these societies and hell, Mm -hmm. 
I want to know more about the banks. I want to know more about the Galactic Senate. I would have never said that 20 years right. ago. Exactly, exactly. Like, I think any time you would say that in a conversation pertaining to the movies, it would be as a joke. Like, give me more Senate. Give me more politics. Give me more banks. Give me more Watt Tambor, please. You know, and, and now you actually might want more Watt Tambor. You never know. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it's really interesting. And I think part of it is you can feel the love that the creators have for these characters leaping off the animation cells and yeah. leaping through the audio of these characters, you know, the, not just the creators, but the voice actors. I mean, Ashley Eckstein has talked in the past about how much she loves Ahsoka and was so honored to have voiced her for so long. And like, she's like, she is going to be forever linked with that character. And it's amazing. Like it's, they, you know, they just, they, the amount of care that went into this show is palpable, palpatinable. Palp- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited with where things have left us. And I very much recommend whether you are like a star Wars devotee or if you're mm-hmm. someone who is like, yeah, I'm, I've been enjoying it. I would really recommend you check out clone wars. They're all available on Disney yep. plus right now. So like they're even all available funneled into one place again if you do the ultimate episode order it might take a, a bit of rejiggering your remote might get a workout right. but I, but i think <laughs> it's worth it to really get to see exactly like what the universe in star wars universe actually means absolutely and i mean my, if people have questions and people want to come to me or even you mike i know our dms are open you can slide yeah. into our mechies and say hey you know i heard you know, I heard what you said on the podcast. Um, this is my favorite character. Where should I start? And I'll happily point you in that direction. And I think anybody, you know, any of our listeners would as well. And I think Mikey would too, right? Yeah, absolutely. So before we, we sort of tie up uh, the loose ends with the the general stuff, I know that I, I sort of want to make things a little spoilery here but in a general sense, so Brendan, this, I guess, is your challenge because people might be tuning out as we get into more of the spoilery stuff. And before they go, I want to ask you about probably the most pertinent piece of Clone Wars lore that is immediately on the horizon. One of the many, many Star Wars shows that are coming to Disney Plus and otherwise in the near future is a series by the name of The Bad Batch, which I believe was announced maybe like a couple of weeks ago. It's going to be premiering on, of course, fittingly enough, May 4th. Uh, so <laughs> without yeah. getting into too many specifics, for those of us that that might not have experience with them, can you take this opportunity to sort of like brief us on who are the titular yeah. Bad Batch? What should we know about them coming into this May 4th premiere? Yeah, so if you've ever seen the A-Team, they're basically the A-Team of clones. What? They are they are for a special they are a, an elite commando unit of clone troopers that all have very distinct personalities and looks and specific genetic mo- modifications that make them adept at very specific skills each of them. Uh they all have very distinct personalities, di- distinct looks and distinct uh character traits and they are an elite commando squad and they are very important to a specific art in the Clone Wars that uh, people should definitely watch. Uh, it's mm-hmm. near the beginning of season seven if they get into it. But um, you should definitely check that out before you watch Bad Batch, just so you can get familiar with the various members of the Bad Batch. 
interesting what what was at least your reaction i can't don't want you to speak on behalf of all fans but like was was this a happy surprise to you did you yeah, always I mean, watch this arc of okay they might get a spinoff one day I mean, I never expected them to get a spinoff, but these guys are ridiculous. Like they're they're Ooh, they're, like they're ridiculous. A very they're a very fun group because they're not they they don't work for Cody or Rex. They don't work for like a major clone commander. They are sort of rogue agents. Then that they send in whenever all other options have failed, and they're they're very very good at their jobs. Um, and they're they're a lot of fun, and mostly because they're so so distinct from any other clones you've seen before. There there's something exciting and new when they pop up in Clone Wars. So it'll be very fun to have a show center around them, or even if you're not familiar with A-Team, if you've ever seen Predator, it's kind of the same thing. They're mm-hmm. like, you know, they're, they're, they're an elite commando squad. Elite commando squad, but like sort of like a ragtag group of a bunch of right. churlish individuals who have a particular set of skills. Exactly. Uh, and I yeah. like the Liam Neeson was in the A-Team movie, so that, that line right. works, works in more ways than one. So be sure to, to check that out on May 4th. Uh, TBD as to what exactly that coverage is going to be, as a lot of this mm-hmm stuff is up in the air but here is where i'm going to begin the long preamble the slow wind down of the ship as we segue from spoiler free into spoiler filled if you do not want to know any details about star wars the clone wars if you are listening right now and you say this show sounds nifty it sounds neat I better go check it out. We have given you a number of ways to do so, a number of episodes to check out as well. We'll put those episode orders that we talked about in the show notes as well, so you can check it out. Uh, I would say if you want to binge this stuff before getting into the Bad Batch, you don't have too much time, but hey, you know what? The human work ethic uh, can be can do wondrous things when, when put to the test, so you have the option to do so, but from here on out, we're going to be spoiling everything from the seven seasons of the clone wars if you're dipping out right now just know that a long time to go is gonna keep going back in april we're gonna have josh wiggler back in the pilot seat after his brief uh, sojourn as it will and he's gonna be back covering revenge of the sith we are going back to the movies again after this brief pit stop going from TV back to movies. And actually, someone who is a a familiar to both Brendan (laughs) and I, of course, Ben Martell, known as the Ben behind the curtain, the guy who is behind so much stuff behind the scenes on Lost Down the Hatch that Josh and I do. He's going to be joining Josh to do the recap of Revenge of the Sith. And then after that, just like what happened with Attack of the Clones, it's going to be Josh, it's going to be Kevin Mahadeo, and it's going to be LaTanya Starks. They're going to be doing a Duel of the Fates, a sort of debate-slash-feedback section podcast about the movie in general. Again, dates TBD on that one. A lot of stuff is in flux right now, so we don't want to necessarily nail down specific dates. Uh, But just know that I think Josh will make an announcement when it's coming. But it is coming again we, we promised you all monthly star wars content and we're hoping to deliver here i do i do you know apologize to those of you that that we're hoping to hear from some josh here hopefully yes, are always delivers. exactly hopefully we served it as nice substitutes for the time being let me say again if you do not want to know any more spoiler information about the clone wars this is your stop buddy i'm pressing the airlock button i'm suctioning you out into space to drift endlessly until you get to a television or a screen to watch 
Star Wars, The Clone Wars. And you know what? To ramp down even further, I'm going to take a quick second to hear a word from our sponsors so you can scramble for your phone if you need to to press pause if you don't want to be spoiled about The Clone Wars. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, I think that everyone who doesn't want to be spoiled about the Clone Wars is gone right now. You never know, Brendan. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to vamp for just a short amount of time more in case anyone who accidentally heard the mellifluous tones of the ad stayed and realized, oh crap, I don't want to spoil the Clone Wars for myself. And hopefully they are gone okay did you say <laughs> uh i'm so excited to talk about all this brendan so <sighs> and, admittedly as i mentioned before i have gone through season the end of season five and again i'm about to put yeah. out a major spoiler so please d- don't proceed any further if you don't want to know any more spoilers about the clone wars the last thing i saw right before we jumped in here brendan was ahsoka tano turning down the offer to rejoin the Jedi Council and walking away to this, God, this beautiful string music. Tears. And like Tears. Every time. It's but yeah, this, I mean, that speaks firsthand to what we we're talking about in the first half yeah. of the podcast here, right? Like the, I would not have expected that out of a Star Wars show, let alone a CG mm-hmm. animated Star Wars show. And it really shows, I mean, let, let's sort of start with, the character of, of Ahsoka Tano, as it were, because I know that I'm probably still in the middle of her growth arc, but where she mm-hmm. came from, from even the Clone Wars theatrical film, as yeah. you mentioned, where she's doing, uh, you know, r 2 and all these, like, yes. slimy and these bad nicknames, to see her even get to this point has been, I mean, she is, like, the heart of the Clone Wars, in my opinion. She becomes General Tano. By the end of it, and she's wow. just like she is beloved. I mean, she's beloved by the characters. You can tell right away in you know season one, season two, especially season two. You really start to see that she is Dave Filoni's favorite character, mm-hmm. and it's all over the place with her. I mean, nobody grows and changes and brings as much joy and breaks your heart as much as what happens with Ahsoka throughout the Clone Wars, and it's it's incredible to watch. I mean, she's she's a, such a fantastic character, and to see where she goes and what happens to her, considering how much she was disregarded after the Clone Wars film, is such an incredible creative feat from everyone involved. Like, I mean, people hated her from the Clone Wars. I mean, I can't, I can't um, like, say it enough. People did not like Ahsoka when the movie came out. And the fact that she now was is the most beloved Clone Wars character is an incredible creative accomplishment. I mean, 
people are naming their pets after Ahsoka. It's, it's yeah. I mean, I now that I have seen her in this, mm-hmm. I I now get the hype when we when they yeah. heard that Rosario Dawson was was coming, yeah. and also the spinoff series as well. Like I completely get it now. She yeah. seemed like a cool character on the Mandalorian, but like now getting to know all this and getting to know her specifically, and what I am so intrigued by, particularly with this spinoff series, mm-hmm. is her relationship with Anakin. Which yeah, is it's one, I mean, it's intense, but it's also one of my favorite parts of the entire series because, again, the whole Anakin Skywalker stuff in the prequel films, like we know about his relationship with Obi Wan, and we know about his romantic relationship with Padme. But I feel like the relationship he had with Ahsoka is so different, right? I feel like in giving right. Anakin a Padawan it's- distinctly changes, you know, who he is as a person. Their relationship changes. You could see, in, including in the episodes that I recently watched, like how defensive and and angry and tempestuous he gets to help her, how much he worries right. about her when in that storyline where she, she ends up like crashing on the planet and getting taken into mm-hmm. the Hunger Games thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a really cool side of the Anakin character that I had never seen before and just giving him like a different type of person to manifest a relationship with. Yeah, it's a it's a third degree of Anakin that the movies didn't have time or space to explore, which is what would happen if we gave Anakin a friend? Yeah. Instead of a romantic interest or a mentor, what if we gave him an actual friend that he loves and cares about and has an actual real friendship with and affection for, and then what happens if we rip her away right before the climax of the Clone Wars. You know, what happens when, and you can see it in Anakin's face and in Anakin's reactions, you know, when everything happens at the end of season five and Ahsoka's in jail and Anakin is pretty much dark-siding trying to get her out. Yeah. You know, it's intense and he's he's formed an attachment and it's the one thing that he, he was fighting all series not to do, which is, you know, form and form an attachment that would be frowned upon. And it, instead of it being an attachment with Obi-Wan or an attachment with Padme, it's incredible that it's with Ahsoka. And it's the first breaking point for him mm. to turn to the dark side. Like when, when she decides to leave, it's both important for her and more important for him because he it's the first knock he has to well the council is a bunch of idiots and they yeah. suck and i can no longer trust them and so it's you know it's really interesting to use her because you don't get a lot of why anakin all of a sudden is kind of being a dick in revenge right. of the sith from my perspective and the jedi now, reader yeah and now we understand now we're giving yeah. more depth behind how he's mindset has changed and it adds more depth to it and it does nothing but enhance him as a character. I I really love what they've done with his character. First off, Mm -hmm. uh, they make him funny. And we actually spoke about this recently with uh, the characterization of Bucky Barnes on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but it's very Mm -hmm. similar, right? We're like, here's this character who's typically brooding and melancholy and now he like is he's a little Han Solo-y in that he's like smarmy. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, he's a hotshot general and it's such an interesting segue to have him start the series as, again, this, you know, 
this guy who does some or- orthodox methods, which I think right. to your point of him not really following the rules of let the ends do justify the means, mm-hmm. but still, you know, fighting tooth and nail for the Republic uh, and then sort of transforms over time as he has these moments. I really, really enjoyed that one particular or those particular couple of episodes where like he and Ahsoka break out a couple of prisoners from that yeah. lava planet, including Grand Moff Tarkin, who's going to yeah. be a future buddy of his. And you find that Anakin and Tarkin actually get on the same page where they both agree that like the Jedi are too pacifist to lead yep. a war. And it's, and it's such a, yeah. One of the best things this show does is, give you little things like little seedlings, little hints from the movies that are going to be important later without making it feel ham fisted fan service. Like, and I, I know that people, you know, get annoyed with the term fan service. Fan service doesn't have to be a bad word. Right. And one of the best things that Clone Wars does is it gives you good, the good version of fan service. You know, it gives you, it gives you a freaking, even if it's not the best arc, you get an entire battle on Mon Calamari led by freaking Akbar. Yeah. And it's like, nobody was really expecting Akbar, but it's great to have him here. Yeah. And so you get a whole, you get a whole episode of, where Ahsoka gets saved by Chewbacca. In exactly. Park. Like, he just randomly exactly. makes an appearance. Yeah. And then he's gone again, and it's fine, and it doesn't matter, and nobody stops down to go, hey, it's Chewbacca. You know, it's just like, he's there, and it's cool. And that. That's one of the things I really appreciate the show doing is sort of the subtle fan service, like, you know, let's go to this planet or let's go to this, you know, see this person whose name you might recognize. Or here's a planet where they, um, you know, where they're mining for Tabata gas. Tabata gas, that sounds familiar. Oh, that's what Lando is mining in Empire. Like, mm. it's even little things like that, like where yeah. it's like sense of memory of words and places. So, I mean, yeah. That's that's what I really appreciate the show for doing. And I think the the show does a really cool thing in the middle of it. Again, like right when it starts hitting this next level stride where, you know, the three of them, Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka, really the main three characters, go to that that just the tripping balls arc, I think I'd call it. Where yeah. like they go to like the the people representing the brother and the sister the, and the, the mortis father. Arc, yeah. The the Mortis arc is probably the most important arc in the series, I would say. Um, so you have the sister, the brother, and the father who re- represent the three points of the force. You know, the brother representing the dark, the sister representing the light, and the father who is holding the balance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Anakin is uh, was brought there because he's the chosen one, and the father thinks that because he's the chosen one who's supposed to bring balance to the force, that means he is supposed to take his place to control his son and daughter because he is dying. And it's this whole batshit arc where everyone's seeing visions. Everyone keeps trying to escape and they can't escape the planet because the brother is keeping them there or the father is keeping them there. And it's this constant struggle. And I mean, it gets so crazy that Anakin's future is shown to him. Yeah. Like Like you... it's it's crazy. You get that, and you also get like Force goes Qui Gon, then mm-hmm. Ahsoka gets possessed and like starts attacking yep. them. It is, I mean, this yep. this that was one of those things to me that was that and the Night Sister stuff mm-hmm. were moments to me where I'm like, I didn't know Star Wars could do this. I thought Star yep. Wars was just bang bang pew pew, occasional right. lightsaber battle, 
And there certainly are a bunch to be had in the Clone Wars, but this is completely expanding the genres and boundaries of right. what the, the genre and what the franchise is capable of. Right. And this is also one of the things that they did that I, as a, as a longtime Star Wars fan, really appreciate is they took an idea that was presented in a completely different context in the expanded universe novels that were decanonized, decanonized and mm-hmm. repurposed it for this show in a really incredible way, because there is a living planet in the expanded universe novels called Zenoma Sekai that is supposed to be at the center of the force and where the force was born and where the balance is held. And, you know, there's an expanded universe arc where certain characters go there and they see visions and they try to harness the power of the force to defeat the enemy that they're fighting in that arc. And it's basically, you know, doing the same thing, but in a completely new and unexpected way in Clone Wars. And I think one of the coolest things that they do that I had forgotten about until this rewatch is that, and it also, you know, it brought a tear to my eye to to rewatch it and think about it is it's really where you fall in love with Ahsoka as she is given the power of the sister and the power of the light. Mm. And you see the owl and you see the force of the light going into her. And that's when you realize like, Oh, Ahsoka is the light now. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah. And then, and then if you remember, you know, minor um, Mandalorian uh, spoiler, but when you meet her, in the Mandalorian, she has that owl hanging out with her that you see in this episode of Clone Wars. Oh, yeah. You see in the woods with her, and you realize that she is still the light. Like, her path oh, wow. was always to be the true light side person. And it brought a tear to my eye rewatching it. This time, I'm like, wow. Ahsoka is the light. Oh, my God. And Anakin's the dark. And oh, my God. Uh, and, that, uh, and that's really interesting yeah. as well, right? Just because of their relationship, right? I know there there was a comic that's been circulating of like Ahsoka finding out about what happened to yeah. Anakin. Uh, and yeah. I mean, people said that it certainly is not outside the realm of possibility that Dave Filoni makes that scene actually happen just due to how Tooney is with, with fan culture. And I mean, sort of representing the light side of that, you spoke about this in our spoiler free part that there's a lot of pairing with Ahsoka and the younglings, uh, yeah. which she sort of resents at first. But again, much like a lot of these characters, she comes around to like be really protective of them. They end up saving her when she's captured yeah. by the pirates. So, and I, I know... really fun little arc. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, love that arc. Yeah, I mean, I would, I'll be honest, I wrote about this in the Discord, and I, look, I know that uh, extenuating circumstances mean, unfortunately, I don't know how many of those younglings made it out of uh, Order 66, but <laughs> I would actually not be mad if there was a spinoff series that focused on that little, like, septet of younglings. Because even in that four-episode arc, yeah. I thought they had a really fun... Group, even just the first episode, but it's them finding yeah. their kyber crystals. Like they all express different personality traits yeah. that I think could have made for a really fun ensemble for a standalone yeah. series. All right, Jedi babies, let's make it happen, Dave Filoni. Yeah, Jedi I mean, like, babies. But they weren't like again, they weren't they were babies, yeah. but not the babies way of right. like the the you know whiny kids that people might attribute to some Star Wars children. Exactly. Yeah, they were like like eight year olds. Yeah, they're fine. They're, they're yeah. really good, and they, 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 they did a really good job with that arc of making them just old enough that they could, one, have their own distinct personalities, and two, actually be useful instead of just 
being captured and sitting there and complaining about it. They actually yeah. are able to like have some agency and actually help out, which is really great. Yeah, and also again speaking of of kids and characters from the Mandalorian, baby Boba Fett. That mm. I didn't I did not expect that at all. I did not know that he was in the Clone Wars, uh let alone like him disguising himself within a bunch of clone younglings to like stage an entire assassination on Mace Windu. Yeah, he is not happy with Mace for for, you know, pretty obvious reasons and it's yeah. a really interesting idea to, you know, have that happen and it makes the Boba Fett arc be more about the Jedi and sort of takes some of the oomph out of him as a guy that is still a bounty hunter in the original trilogy. But it's yeah. sort of like a ret- it's sort of a retcon to fix some of the missing aspects of his character, which I don't mind. I actually really like it. So yeah, I, I'm not I'm not too mad at it. And especially, I wonder is this stuff going to get uh, you know brought into the book of Boba Fett as well? The fact that like could, could. from a young age he's like running you know a heist operation with these assassins right. that are that are involved as well. So I thought that that was a surprise character. I mean, speaking of of other mainstream characters, Obi Wan Kenobi continues to be the best. He's Obi- just the best, and he's in love. Yeah, he's in love, and then he has to sit there and watch his love die at the hands of his greatest enemy, and it's bonkers. It's insane, and it's intense. And yeah, I mean, we can we can talk about Obi Wan. I mean, the best part is that like he's doing all of this while he also sort of knows what's going on with Anakin and Padme, and. Mm. Once Anakin starts to realize that Obi-Wan was in love, it changes his point of view of Obi-Wan as a person, like for better and for worse, because right. it basically makes Obi-Wan into a hypocrite for Anakin, you know, yeah. because Obi-Wan is doing exactly what he's been cautioning Anakin against doing, you know, and he yeah. also resents him for, for giving up his love at a certain point and then going, not going back to her. Um, so it's it's really intense. I love Obi Wan in Mandalorian armor. He looks so yeah badass. yeah. Because there's that there's that one episode where essentially like uh, Satine, you know, mm-hmm. is in desperate straits, so she calls on him, and he like basically wears the red Mandalorian armor, and he and he, he fits yeah. it well. I mean, even outside of that, there's some really fantastically badass stuff, like where Obi Wan undergo. He basically does face off uh, mm-hmm. to become like his own. A fake assassin to yeah. infiltrate uh, a plot on the Chancellor, and so that's a really fun opportunity for Obi Wan to sort of play Black Hat uh, a bit. But the Satine stuff, yeah, really yeah. came out of nowhere. I also love the fact that here we have a character made famous by Ewan McGregor in the prequels, and he has a lover named Satine. The Moulin Rouge fan in me was going <laughs> crazy, but I mean, it's a really interesting facet of Obi Wan's character. We'll see if we get it explored more in his standalone series but like you said yeah to to see like that facet of his character i think really deepens him Mm -hmm. and obviously like the very complicated feelings that he has now where for the line of duty he had to give up on this but it's very clear he still holds a saber for her in a manner of speaking yeah i would love to see a uh at least one if not multiple flashback scenes to pre-clone wars or during clone wars era um, live-action version of some of the stuff we got on this show with um, with Obi-Wan and Satine. Like, it would just be really, really cool, and I think it could be a lot of fun. I think I think the fans would really appreciate it, too. Like, again, fan service done right. That's something people want to see. Do it. Do it. Do yeah. it would be great. 
And then uh, over on the Sith side of things, uh, I'll admit, for me, at the time, General Grievous was just an excuse to sell toys. And like, and how I, many lightsabers can we put on this guy? Exactly. Like, oh, you, I hear you like lightsabers, dogs. So we put a lightsaber on your <laughs> lightsaber. And I, I love what they did with him and the droid army yeah. in general. Like, yeah, they're a little, for lack of a better term, cartoony and slapsticky and the Roger Roger and, and all that. But like, right. they can be incredibly dangerous with this this mindless yeah. horde. And I love the the sort of like rise and falls of General Grievous where like he gets captured and or Dooku Dooku doubts him and then he comes back into power. Like this is not just one static character who occupies a position. Yeah, it's really great to watch development given to a character that you see for a grand total of, you know, 20 minutes in Revenge of the Sith because he doesn't have much to do except fight Obi-Wan and die. Yeah. And it's, you know, that's a, that's about it. And you're not given anything of him in Attack of the Clones. So it's like, who is this guy? You know, where did he come from and how is he such a badass? And that was also one of the things that the Tchaikovsky, um, Cartoon Network shorts did is they gave you a really incredible General Grievous episode of that where yeah. he fights multiple Jedi at once and pretty much kills them all. And then they recreate that into a full episode in, in this show, with, mm-hmm. with a lot of the same characters, with Eve Toth and Kit Fisto and Siasi Tan and some of the other, uh, and Shakti and some of the other characters, like they, they recreate that whole scene, but make it so much crazier and cooler because they have the space to do it. And so it's. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, and, you know, speaking of the Palpatine stuff as well. Mm-hmm. As someone who loves reality TV, you know, I, I love to see the, the someone playing the middleman, right, trying to play both sides. Palpatine's a great rat floater, where I, I loved watching little things that he does to sort of, like, manipulate people. Like, as much as I, I was sort of met on the Clovis 2.0 stuff from, those are the three season six episodes that I've seen so far, is the return of Clovis and the Banks. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting move for Palpatine to really, like, whisper in Anakin's ear, like, Hey, we're going to appoint this guy, our bank representative, but you shouldn't really trust him. Check it out. He's in league with the separatists. It's, it's especially knowing the two roles that he plays, even though I, you would imagine that someone would just pull up the damn hood on that hologram and see who it is. I I think it's fun knowing, it's fun knowing what we know. And I actually just watched, you know, him visit Darth Maul on Mandalore, which we'll certainly get into Mm -hmm. and him using that force lightning as well as like a, a, a picture of things to come. Yeah. Yeah, their their fight is insane and a lot of fun. Um, and it, it's really cool to see him do a little more than just skulk at his desk and tw- twirl his fingers, Mr. Bird style. Exactly. Um, to actually see him, you know, talk out of both sides of his mouth constantly on this show just, again, adds more depth to the character that you just weren't able to get to in the movies, um, you know, the, the way he subtly manipulates the senators and then also simultaneously is dealing with everything going on with the clones on Camino and the production and mm. calling into the Kaminoans and being like, you know, as Sidious being like, how is everything going? You know, checking in and you're, you're seeing a lot of context stuff that you just didn't have time for in the movie, which is great. 
Yeah, you spoke about the Senate. Uh, Padme also gets some shading mm-hmm. in in this. As I said before, certainly makes the the Senate stuff interesting. Particularly, I, be- I believe Senate Murders. I think is the the name yeah. of the episode, right? Where she's hanging out with uh, with Organa and a couple of yeah. other senators, and they're just getting picked off one by one. I'm glad that they also gave Padme some ability to like throw in with the action as well. She's serving as a representative as well. There's a point where like she nearly is able to broker peace between yeah. the Republic and the separatists, which I never thought right. would have happened. Yeah. It's really, really close for her. And then all of a sudden, you know, one person gets blown up and the whole thing gets blown to hell because yeah. there's an insane plot that, um, Oh, what's his freaking name that they call in hat guy to do. Oh, C- Cad Bane. Oh, Cad Bane comes back and just, they're like, yeah, you got this. Take care of this. Blow this up, and then blame it on these other guys, and we're good. Right? Yeah, and it was an inside job, right? They they stage a yeah. terrorist attack in Coruscant and said, "Oh, well, this is clearly from the separatists. We clearly right. cannot, clear, you know, against them." Yeah, it's insane because she gets this close a couple of times to both brokering peace and also figuring out what the hell is going on, and so do a lot of characters. And that's one of the things that makes it fun, but also like frustrating in a good way to watch this show is to watch how close some of these characters come to unraveling everything and figuring everything out. And then one thing happens and mm-hmm. they just forget everything they learned that entire episode. Yeah. Or they're like, well, it can't have been that. It must have it must have been this guy that we were talking to the entire episode. It can't have been one grand conspiracy. And it's like, no, guys, if you just took all these disparate plots and put them together and thought about it for two seconds, you would understand the grand conspiracy. But because you aren't willing to see the coincidences of all these little things as one big thing, like they're 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 missing the forest from the trees. Yeah, and it, it, it's so bad, and but it's also really fun to watch. Like exactly, the problem is those trees are as tall as the ones on Endor, so they're really right. tough to to see the forest in that regard. Let, let's talk about some newer characters because you mentioned Grievous getting a, a great thing in the in the Tartakovsky mm-hmm. Clone Wars. This is where this character was introduced, Asajj Ventress, uh, who yes. when she begins the series is a Sith apprentice. But man, uh, I gotta thank Count Dooku for trying to kill her because, mm-hmm. again, that's when the Clone Wars just completely elevates herself and she becomes yeah. such a really incredible free agent of a character. It makes, it, makes it, it ups the stakes in ways because everyone is simultaneously trying to have secret apprentices and then also kill those secret apprentices <laughs> when they do one thing that they don't like. And so they all end up interacting with each other and try to kill each other at various points. I mean, Ventress was such a fun character from the Tarkovsky um, anime that I'm so glad they brought over because, one, she has such a unique look. Like she's, yeah. I mean, she basically looks like a skeleton with lightsabers, <laughs> and her armor is awesome. She's got this really cool mask that she wears in some of the later seasons. Um, yeah, she's just a really fun character, and is a really unique foil because she is just as powerful as Anakin or Obi-Wan, but is not as good at um, specifically their fighting styles. Mm. So they always are able to get the best of her. But she is like really dangerous on her own. And I, and I love the transition that happens where, as badass as she looks, I, I do think in the first group of episodes, specifically, I think she does appear in like the first couple of episodes chronologically. It's just sort of her standing in as like 
Dooku's sort of, you know, uh, toady, right? Of right. She's going to come in, slash with her two awesome lightsabers, and then get out. But then once she realizes how easily she can be discarded, she's really mm-hmm. sent on this awesome path of revenge with everything with Savage mm-hmm. Press, and then it leads to her becoming that that bounty hunter and assassin yeah. under uh, under Boba Fett, and then that leads mm-hmm. to her running into Ahsoka as well. And so one of the things that I really love about this too the show is like the degrees of evil that are represented where yes, you obviously have Palpatine and Darth Sidious, but then you have Dooku and then to varying degrees, all these people that either work under them or like similarly bad natured, but also are not working with them and saying, screw both sides. I just want to get rid of everybody and get my revenge. Yeah. It's, I like that the show plays with all of the shades of black, white, gray, red, green in the coloring, in the coloring box, you know, um, they are willing to let a character be awful, but also you kind of like them constantly mm-hmm. or be like good, but also an idiot. And they, they do really well with shading different characters. I mean, the, the Obi-Wan Ventress team up to take on Maul and Savage Press is some of the most incredible fights on the show. I mean, they're they're stuck on the ship. They can't get out. They're like, all right, I guess we have to work together to beat these two morons so we can escape. And these two characters that you would never expect to be on the same page are able to get on the same page for long enough to try to escape, you know, uh, Maul and Savage. And it's some of the best action sequences on the show or any time that those four characters are in a room with any combination of each other and they're like, yeah, Yeah, or or even the the time before that, when Asajj tries to turn Savage against Dooku. And so it's two on one, but then it turns into a different two on one when Savage sort of like breaks and then he tries to kill both of them. So now it's Asajj and Dooku versus Savage. There's just such an interesting triangle going on there. I mean, speaking of Savage, we got to talk about this. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how I avoided this, Brendan, but jaw on the floor, jaw through the ground, jaw to the core of the earth, when I found out that not only does Darth Maul have a brother, but Darth Maul is alive. He's attached to like a spider mech. But, but, but then he's, which was, God, that was freaky. Because he was also like, he was also like mentally unstable as well. And, but it turns out that like Darth Maul didn't, he fell down that chasm, but he ain't dead. I was shocked. I was so, not spoiled about this beforehand. It was I legitimately astounding yeah. to me. I can't believe you never knew about this because this is something that's been in the zeitgeist forever as like a crazy fan theory that's been on forums and been thought about in comic books and expanded universe stuff and it's like, yeah, of course Darth Maul wouldn't die because he was just cut in half and what does a lightsaber do when it cuts you? It cauterizes. So there was, nowhere, there was nowhere for him to bleed out. That's why you don't see blood under Anakin when he gets his arm cut off. Because oh, I, I thought blood. I thought it was just the uh, the PG like, rating. No, I mean you know it's it's a explanation for it, so that you don't have to. Yeah, it's a it's a way to explain away the PG rating <laughs> internally on the movie. But yeah, I mean the 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 power of the lightsaber cauterizes as it cuts. So he was cut in half and he did fall down the chasm, but it did not kill him. He was able to arm crawl 
into a trash compactor that dumped him on this trash planet that he then welded himself to a spider and was just going insane living on this trash planet until his brother finds him. And it's incredible, like, that they had the balls to bring back Darth Maul and, one, make him insane for the first time you see him and a giant spider, and then to just have him be a main character on this show. I know. I did, not, I did not expect it whatsoever. Uh, just because, again, like, the little stuff that we saw from him was, again, just, you know, a big horn guy on the dark side who fights with a, with a double, double-headed double lightsaber and kills Qui-Gon Jinn. But to also find out, like, how, you know, manipulative he is, how power-hungry yeah. he is, where he ends up taking over Mandalore entirely just to essentially yeah. get Obi-Wan. He makes alliances and then immediately breaks them. This mm-hmm. dude is just such a, a hardcore character. Well, and even, even Savage Press, who is a fantastic Star Wars take on a Frankenstein story where yeah. Asajj returns to her home planet of the Night Witches, the Night Sisters. Night and Sisters, yeah. Basically a bunch of witches, though, voodoo witches. And they say, okay, you're going to now sort of groom your own apprentice mm-hmm. to kill Count Dooku. And they go through this, like, horrendous orientation process where he's forced to kill his own brother at the end and show how broken yeah. he is. To have him then find his own brother and then essentially, like, become his own stooge as they run around the galaxy doing all these, again, like chaotic, chaotic evil. But I guess I would say the Sith are more lawful evil than chaotic evil. They're, they're sort of doing things to scatter all the pieces rather than just scattering the Republic's pieces. And it's like, well, it's, it's funny because it's, you know, what, what they do with Maul is they make him have agency and knowledge that you never knew he had about Sidious's plans. And so once you realize that he knows what he's doing because he knows what's about to happen at the end of the Clone Wars, you realize why he's setting up everything he's setting up to have his own, you know, shadow empire because he's like, well, the galaxy's about to go to shit. I yeah. need to have a backup plan and I need to have my own stuff lined up for when that happens because I want to be able to take over and take out Palpatine and have the power to do it whenever Palpatine reveals himself to be Sidious and destroys the Republic. I need to have my own Republic set up to sweep in and try to challenge him. Mm-hmm. And that's that's his whole goal. And it's really cool to see that because it's completely unexpected. So, yeah. you know, you see him gather all the different crime syndicates. I think it's really funny that the Huts refuse him, yeah. but also very Jabba. Like, Jabba's like, no, I'm good. Just want to yeah. stay here on Tatooine. It's cool. So, there's a surprising yeah. amount of hut stuff uh, uh, yeah. between, like, the movie and then I feel like the first few seasons, they were really focused on Tatooine. I'm glad they yeah. moved beyond it because, you know, there's only so much hut ease I can take on a show. Yeah, for sure. And especially, like, when you have a couple of scenes where they actually do bring Stinky back, the, the little hut, the little hut from the, uh, from the movie, just to be like, See, he's still alive. He's fine. He's just a little baby hunt. <laughs> so let's talk about some of these other free yeah. agent characters. You mentioned him before, Cad Bane, uh, one of the most badass looking yeah. characters in Star Wars, but you know, also one of the most merciless in that he is just a very skilled bounty hunter who essentially like, hey, you give me you give me credits, I'll do whatever you need me to do. 
Yeah, there's a couple of really cool episodes with Cad Bane that I really like. There's the one where he, you know, disguises himself to infiltrate the uh, Jedi holocrons in the Jedi Temple, and yes. that's the holocron heist is a really, really fun episode. Yeah, and, and that's um, the one where I think, like, the Ahsoka, you know, really underestimates the really old caretaker of correct, the, the yeah. Jedi Archive, and then they have that whole battle with uh, Cad Bane and Cad Bane's right. stooge. Yeah, and that's that's a really fun, really fun episode, and you sort of, it's also one of your first sort of so- Ahsoka alone experiences, mm-hmm. and where she's left to her own devices and has to make a decision about, you know, what she's going to do to help get out of the situation. And the other one I really like is uh, when Cad Bane captures a bunch of the senators and puts them, locks down the Senate, the Senate complex and Anakin is stuck on the outside trying to free everybody, but he accidentally left his lightsaber with Cad Bane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. diehard, right? It's, it's, it's Anakin trying hard. to because he was uh, basically visiting Padme illegally yeah. because, again, they're married at this point, but nobody knows it. He accidentally gets locked in there with him. And so he has to, like, break his way through dispatch of all of Cad Bane's people, but without use of his lightsaber. Right. And it's a, it's a really fun Anakin episode. And it's also an even better Padme episode because you see her skill and cunning as mm. as a character come out in that episode and how she's able to manipulate the situation to try to get everybody out of it safely. Um it's it's a really fun one. I, I definitely recommend people watch that one. Another person who again strides that moral Bye, gray area happily so you mentioned him or referenced him in your intro, Hondo, the jolly pirate master, uh basically is yeah. is, you know, a, a character who makes a huge impression from the very beginning. Yeah, so Hondo is a, you know, classic smuggler archetype who basically just is constantly riding the line between the good guys and the bad guys for Mm -hmm. whoever is going to pay him the best on that specific job. But the best thing about Hondo is that he always comes through. Like, he he's he's very much Han Solo, but an alien. He has... Hondo, Han, Hondo. Hondo, Hondo Solo, yeah. Hondo Anako Solo. He has he has a heart of gold because gold is worth a lot of money. <laughs> that's that's a very good so, way to put it. And and I love yeah. it as well that like I mean his loyalties can flip instantaneously, right? Like he'll he'll capture Ahsoka, but then as soon as General Grievous invades, he's like oh. to dick him over, yeah. Yeah, he's like, Oh wait, no, I don't want this guy on my planet. Sure, I'll 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 show you my battalion to like absolutely get him off my planet. Like and he is just so easygoing and yeah. freewheeling. I love what like the casuality with which he regards Ahsoka and Anakin yeah. and Obi Wan like they're friends, not the fact that he like had previously captured the latter two of them in a previous right. episode. It's it's just a really fun character to bring in not to say that the show is like completely dark and needs levity but i do think he sort of provides that sometimes with just how carefree he tends to be in a very caring environment yeah he's really great comic relief and he's also sort of like he's there to sort of bring the characters back to earth and into the real world sometimes because like there's you know there's a specific episode i'm thinking of where Ahsoka is off on her own trying to lead a mission, and Anakin and Obi-Wan can't get to her to help. And so instead, actually, no, it, it's in, I think it's the Mandalore. No, it's the Onderon arc. So yes. they're on Onderon, and they're trying to help free the people of Onderon from the stupid king 
who has a stupid crown, and yeah. they they are like Obi Wan and Anakin can't get, get can't get to her, so they call Hondo and they're like, "Dude, you need to bring in ah- Ahsoka some guns." And uh, and uh, Hondo gets there, and Ahsoka's like, "Hondo, what are you doing here?" And he's like, "Dude, chill. I just." came to give you this stuff that Anakin asked me to bring. You don't have to be a jerk about it. All right, I'm out. And he's yeah. like, you know, sometimes I do the right thing. Don't be so mean. I'm here to help. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, again, I, I don't want to cross the streams too much, but Hondo yeah. really reminds me of a Ferengi. He really yeah. reminds me of Quark, right? Of yeah, like, prop sure. it above all, but it. I sometimes I'll help you, sometimes I hurt you. It just matters yeah. who has the, the bigger price to pay. Right, for sure, for sure, and you know, not to not to get into any future stuff, but I mean, Hondo Hondo is one of my favorite characters from across Star Wars, for sure. So yeah. let's let's talk about we we made mention of some episodes beforehand, but mm. Brendan, I would love to hear from you if there are any particular episodes or arcs or storylines that have always stuck out in your head as being some of the best of the best that the Clone Wars has to offer. Yeah, so we, we hit on Mortis. Mortis is incredible. Um, I love that arc. I also think that the season five arc, um, for episodes 14 through 16, which is Maul's Siege of Mandalore, yeah. as you said, are incredibly important. And yeah, I mean, it's probably some of the best that the Clone Wars has to offer is just in those three to four episodes, um, in the middle of season five. Um, I also think for earlier stuff, that the uh, season three episodes, 15 through 17, which is Mortis is great. Um, And then season two episodes, 18 and 19 are also really incredible, which is the Zillow beast. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's another one that I, that I really enjoyed. Cause I was like, Oh, is star Wars doing a Kaiju movie? Yeah. yeah, It's a really really interesting arc because you, kind of think it's just going to be a one-off. They go to try to save this creature on this planet, but it turns out that the reason the creature needs to be saved or killed and harvested is because it has this innate, untested connection to the Force and also has impenetrable armor. So it can be used twofold by Palpatine for whatever he needs, and in the end of that, you kind of figure out that he's going to use it not only for whatever connection to the force it has, but to enhance his army and enhance his plans. And, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me to find out, to find out in some future thing that that comes back into play because you, you sort of see the Zillow beast get taken off at the end of the second episode yeah. and then it's never brought up again. So right. I think in some expanded stuff that could come back. I know that the first episode that I watched, chronologically speaking, that I think really clicked for me was season one, episode five, Rookies. And it made me realize that I actually, we forgot to talk about the titular clones from the Clone Wars, particularly the characters of Cody and Rex. Those are really sort of like the the big two. I mean, all the clones have nicknames and there are some clone-centric episodes and arcs, but like, those are the big two, right? And I believe they yeah. carry over into Rebels as well. So you have Cody and Rex. Cody does not. Cody is uh, Obi-Wan's clone. He's Obi-Wan's mm-hmm. clone commander. And then you have Rex, who leads Anakin's uh, 501, 501st uh, Battalion, and later is the commander for Ahsoka. But um, when they sort of switch out. Um, right, and, and I believe that... Series. Rex is the one who's part of like the big. Uh, what's the General Krell arc? What's what's that series? Oh of yeah, that's the. Um, uh, what is that called? Freaking! Uh, I have it written down. Um, which season is that? Sabotage. 
I think it might be sap. No, it's the, the it's the Umbara stuff. It's, it's oh yeah, it's the Umbara arc. Yeah, it's the, it's the Umbara arc, and it's he is the main clone in that. And then you have his you know sidekicks, uh, Fives and Jesse and Topper and Echo, and Echo Echo and Fives are sort of his two main guys. And then Jesse sort of comes into prominence later. Jesse is the one that has the tattooed face and head. Um, and then Fives is the one that has the Fives emblazoned on the side of his uh, his head. And then uh, Echo gets captured early on and ends up coming back later in some episodes you haven't gotten to, mm-hmm. but is presumed dead at a certain point, but comes back later um, in a yeah. really important way. So I will say that uh, for most of it, I honestly couldn't really tell them apart or, or right. got their names confused. It wasn't until this general Krell stuff that I was able to differentiate Rex because there was this really interesting thing in a manner in a myriad of ways in that Krell was one of the first people to really say like, hey, I know I'm a Jedi, but I'm betraying you because yeah. the Jedi are not doing things the way that the universe should be run. So I'm going to right. the dark side. So not only is there betrayal there, there's also some funneled I don't know if you call it, I want to call it racism or species. Oh, it's, it's like, specious. Yeah, it's completely yeah. specious. Um, with, with all the anti-clone yeah. bias. But then also you have this really tough decision from Rex where he's like, you know, Krell says you basically have to kill me, yeah. but you can't because, again, that's sort of not like what you've been bred to do. You've been you've been yeah. bred to obey us. And it's not um, him going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, uh, you know, it, it's it's something that I think is an incredibly deeply thematic resonance within terms of the clones. Yeah. And even though, again, Rex is not the one to pull the trigger, I can imagine that certainly is formative for him and the rest of his character. Yeah, it really is. And you see that struggle with him and the humanity in Rex really come out after that arc and during that arc. Um, he's now, he sort of is the secondary heart of the show with along with Ahsoka because he is so intertwined with Ahsoka as her guy for a while. Um, so it's, he's a really great character and I'm glad they decided to have one clone that we could really get to know that could be the focus. So they weren't all faceless, you know, mm-hmm. helmet wearing goobers who you never get to know. They made, they made him and others very specific so that you Felt emotion not just when one of them might die, but felt emotion when they inevitably have to make that turn. Yeah, the Onderon stuff in general was was really interesting mm-hmm. as we move from from Umbara to Onderon because I mean, there's also a connection, right? I believe a uh, Saw Guerrera is or Saw Guerra is is, yeah. is in Rogue One, and this yes. is sort of like his origin story where uh, he is part of this this uh, resistance to take over, to take back the the city. But then his sister, who's the leader, ends up dying tragically. And yeah. so, like, that breaks him. And it's also, again, Ahsoka's big test where she stays behind, despite the Republic basically saying, we can't do anything. Right. This is an entire internal thing. Ahsoka decides to stay behind and really, like, lead her own resistance from within. So it really has a lot of implications for many Star Wars projects moving forward. Yeah, it's a really interesting origin story for Saw because now you sort of get and understand why he and his rebel splinter group, when they decide that they're going to be part of the rebellion, don't want to interact with the major part of the rebellion because they just see them as another 
Republic and they, mm-hmm. they can't trust them because the Republic never came to their aid. So they sort of have to be out for themselves to get to get to bring order back to the galaxy. They can't they don't think they can trust a larger group. So, yeah, you sort of get why that why he has that mentality because of the death of his sister and because the Republic didn't come to help them. So. I know I know that uh, you said that, you know, you would have been fine with season five ending the way it did with Ahsoka walking off into mm-hmm. it. But since I haven't seen it yet, or what sort of uh, what sort of things from season six and seven were you excited about to to revisit and to to watch as well in the final two seasons of The Clone Wars that I haven't seen yet? I'm prepared to fully spoil myself right now. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So the main thing with season six is that it really starts to open up the Jedi figuring out everything that's going on and the grand conspiracy Mm. that Palpatine has orchestrated. Um, You get arcs in which Obi-Wan and Anakin almost figure out the conspiracy because they go in search of the long lost Jedi master Sifo-Dyas who was presumed dead and who placed the order for the clone army. They figure out that Dooku is Tyrannus. Ooh. Which is an insane revelation. And then that leads them to also discover that Tyrannus is the one that placed the order for the clone army. So they're getting closer and closer and closer to figuring out mm-hmm. who the main Sith Lord is. And they get so close and continuously have the rug pulled out from under them. Aww. One, one because of their own hubris, because they're not seeing the threads or the threats. But they even admit that, you know, Dooku told me back in Attack of the Clones, Obi-Wan says, that the Senate, that the, that the Sith were in charge of the Senate. But they still can't put it together that that means the Emperor is, or that the Chancellor Palpatine is Sidious. Like, that's yeah. not clicking in their brains. And it's so frustrating, but also so funny to watch. Because um, there's also an episode that, is the finale that I really love of season six, where right. Yoda starts hearing the voice of Qui-Gon Jinn. Ooh. And he's not sure whether or not he's going insane. Oh, and that's so, really... I was, oh, I was going to say, like, I do feel like one of one of the rare things that gets the short shrift <laughs> on the show are people like Mace Windu and Yoda, with, I guess, sans that very first episode that you talked about. We really don't get that much, like, Yoda-centric content in Clone Wars. So I'm glad to hear we get another episode. We get some really good Mace stuff, you know, in the middle seasons where, especially when Mace and Anakin team up, it's always really interesting, because mm-hmm. you start to see... It, you know, you, you know in Revenge of the Sith that Mace doesn't trust Anakin, but you don't really understand why he's such a dick to Anakin. And certain episodes in, you know, middle seasons of the Clone Wars kind of understand, show you why, you know, mm-hmm. that they don't trust each other or like each other very much because they don't, they have very different styles and ways of going about, about things. Mm. Um, but you do get, you do get some really good Mace in season six as well. Um, especially with Jar Jar Binks. Um, you also get, yeah, you get a really interesting arc with Jar Jar Binks where force sensitive beings are being kidnapped off of a planet and they dispatch Mace Windu along with Jar Jar to go try to investigate and figure out what's happening. And it's wow. a bonkers Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom style 
situation. Oh, okay. Where, I mean, listen, I I'm happy for actually good Jar Jar episodes because he's, like, he's been like he's been he's been okay. There there has not been any like cringeworthy things. It's just things yeah. where like he's spinning plates to distract senators or like he's posing um, as the as the representative that it's like you. So, I, ironically right. enough, you are too cartoony to fit into this cartoon. What if I told you Jar Jar has a girlfriend? What? Yes. A gun Jar Jar has a girlfriend. And she gets kidnapped and he goes to try to figure out what happened to her and why. So Okay. With, I don't, with Mace. With Mace. I don't know. I don't know it's if part I of that really same, need to see that, but like I guess I will. It's fun. It's very fun. It's fun. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Just picture think about two ducks with their two beaks kissing. And that's what you get. I don't want to think about <laughs> ducks kissing, but now I have to. Thank you. <laughs> Donald and Daisy, man. They're All right, basically I Donald and Daisy duck. And they're yeah, ridiculous. that's true. Sticking with the, the Disney, uh, the, the Disney yeah. origins of things. Uh, so what, what happens in season seven? Like, so it's season seven. So, I'm so intrigued. Like it's such a, it's such a long time later, completely right. different studio. Is it, is it incredibly distinctly different from the previous six seasons? So, so season seven is, is split into three different arcs. Oh. So it starts with the Bad Batch arc, which is four episodes, and you get to know the Bad Batch, and you also get to know Rex and his guys a lot more, and the Bad Batch gain a new member by the end of it, which I alluded to earlier. Uh, the long-lost clone Echo is found alive mm. and apparently has been being used by the, you know those boxy head strategy droids yes, that are yes, like yes. the statistical droids. They know all of the Jedi's and clone troop plans because they've been getting them from Echo's brain. Oh, and that's so, not good. Yeah, it's not good. So Rex figures out that they, that the person feeding the information of all of their tactics to the droids has to be a clone. And then he hacks into the system and figures out that it's Echo's call sign that is distributing the numbers, and you get a Russo-esque transmission that he hears over through the radio of, like, garbled communication, and he figures out and you know, uh, in that it's Echo, and they go and rescue Echo with the Bad Batch, and Echo decides to stay with the Bad Batch and become the fifth member of the Bad Batch. So we're gonna get, we're gonna get more Echo in the Bad Batch cartoon, I would assume. Mm-hmm. What, are the, what are the other two arcs in Season 7? So we have... Ahsoka on her own in the, uh, and she meets up. This is my least favorite part of season seven. She meets up with a couple of sisters who live in the underworlds of Coruscant and are basically just starting out their lives as smugglers. And they decide to take Ahsoka in to try to do this spice run. And this arc lasts, you know, four or five episodes and they run into the wrong people at the wrong time and get in a lot of trouble. Uh, her new best friend almost dies. The sister does. Um, it's very intense, but it's just wholly not interesting because you want to see um, Ahsoka back with Anakin or Obi-Wan or right. characters that you know better. And it's hard to introduce brand new characters like Trace and her sister, who Anakin... I mean, uh, Ahsoka hangs out with so late mm-hmm. into a series when you know this is the final series. So it's it's fine, but it's probably the, my least favorite of the arcs. But mm-hmm. what it ends with is Ahsoka 
meeting up with Bo-Katan and Bo-Katan asking for Ahsoka's help to free Mandalore from uh, the new Prime Minister and Maul, and they decide to call Anakin and Obi-Wan for help. Interesting. I... Anakin, Anakin and Obi-Wan come to the uh, ship that um, Ahsoka is on, and Anakin begs Obi-Wan for them to help. Obi-Wan and Anakin get called back to Coruscant. Anakin wants to stay. It's a big fight between him and Obi-Wan about whether they should or whether they can. Anakin then gives the 501st to Ahsoka so that she won't have to fight on her own. Um, and that's how you get Rex and Rex being directly under Ahsoka for the, for, for the rest of the series. Um, so Ahsoka now has her own army as the rogue commander who is no longer technically part of the Republic. And she and Bo-Katan set out for Mandalore, have this giant fight with Maul and his forces and these really badass, um, Bounty Hunter, uh, Mandalorian suits, where you see these new red-clad Mandalorians with spiky helmets that look Ooh. like Maul's head. Well, that's and fun. it's one of the coolest costumes I've ever seen. And so it's a huge battle on Mandalore. It's the Siege of Mandalore. Uh, basically, we come to a head with Maul's plan of trying to lure Obi-Wan there, and he's really pissed and disappointed when it turns out he didn't lure Obi-Wan, he lured Ahsoka. Mm. So he decides to turn the situation to his benefit by revealing everything to Ahsoka that's about to happen. Because you, what you also have to realize is that at the same time the Siege of Mandalore is going on, the reason Obi-Wan and Anakin got called away is because Grievous has invaded Coruscant. Oh. So it's the start yeah, of Revenge the start of, of Revenge of the Sith. So the final four episodes overlap everything that's happening in Revenge of the Sith. Wow, that's awesome. Seven. That's so awesome. there are little things that intercut. She gets to call home to Mace and Yoda during, like, right after Obi-Wan is left to confront Grievous, but before Anakin is turned. And there's there's a whole thing where Maul is trying to tell her everything that's about to happen and that Anakin has been the secretly groomed apprentice the entire time for the soon-to-be emperor, and she doesn't believe it. She feels Anakin turn to the dark side, like, through the Force, and it's mm-hmm. intense and emotional. She then Order 66 happens. Rex turns on her. Oh! But she is able to convince him not to shoot. Wow. And she, like, she stuns him, takes him to a medical bay, takes his inhibitor chip out, which is what caused um, five, was it Fives or Tubs to go insane earlier mm-hmm. in the series, where right, well, the yeah. Kaminoans almost spoiled the whole thing, because there, there was a clone named Tops who got um, whose malfun- Order 66 chip malfunctioned and happened, went yeah. off early. Yeah, I think that's the beginning of season six where that happened. Yeah, it, is, it must be the beginning of season six. Yeah. But yeah, this is um, yeah, so there's a huge fight between the rest of the clones and Ahsoka and Rex 
and they're trying to escape this battleship and they can't escape, can't escape, can't escape. They all decide to free Maul, who is in the prison of the ship that they're trying to escape from to create a diversion. Maul takes the ship they were planning on escaping on of course. instead of helping them because of course he does. It's a scorpion and the frog. And then, what did you expect? The horny Yeah, toe. exactly. Exactly. I, I know I'm rambling and I know I'm... No, no, no. no I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm enthralled by this. Basically, Mike, you're gonna you're gonna love it because they they managed to get off the ship right before it crashes into a planet, and then they fly back, bury all the clone troopers that died, and then also create graves for themselves. And the last shot you see of Ahsoka is she drops her lightsabers that Anakin gave her onto the ground in front of this gravestone that is holding Rex's helmet so that anybody who finds him will think that they're all dead, including her. Oh, and then wow. you, you see some time pass and you see one of those um, Imperial landing crafts land mm. on the planet in front of the ship. Vader comes out in full Vader, Imperial mm. March going, walks up to it, looks down at all the clone trooper helmets, picks up Ahsoka's lightsaber in the sand, takes it and walks off. Damn. And that is the end of that is the end of the Clone Wars. Oh, that's incredible. So it's incredible and it's a fantastic ending. I still like the ending of season six better because what I didn't tell you about that ending is that that is basically Yoda goes to the Force Cave on Dagobah where he is told to visit a planet that will teach him how to become one with the Force. Mm-hmm. And then goes on a quest to learn how to survive after death. And oh. that includes him having a Force battle with Dooku and Sidious, where he almost figures out who Sidious is. Ooh, so like, screw you, Attack of the Clones. We've got better Yoda fights coming at Basically, you. Basically, yeah. And it's, yeah, you have lots of good Yoda fights. I think one of yeah, I think one of the best things that this show does is that it gives you context and fan service in the best ways possible, where it makes you care and then gut punches you in a really yeah. huge way and makes you want to come back for more and also makes you incredibly thankful for everything you watched before. Yeah, so. that that makes me like I don't even care about being spoiled. That all sounds incredibly exciting, and I'm I'm so happy for the the visuals that I'm about to see over. I I'm probably gonna get this in like a week now. By the time you're put you're <laughs> pumping all this stuff up. Uh, so to finish things off, I know that Brennan, you have a couple of like odds and ends, a real potpourri of uh, yeah. Star Wars: The Clone Wars based topics for us to go through to, to as in a mad dash to finish things off. Yeah, so I had a couple of things that I posed to the post show recaps Discord in our Star Wars channel. So I, I wanted to find out who people's favorite secondary Jedi was. So mm-hmm. not counting Yoda, Mace, Anakin, Obi Wan, none of those. So I posited a few favorites, um, and I just asked people to pick which one of these was their favorite. Um, out of Plo Koon, Kit Fisto, Kiati Mundi, Shakti, and Adi Galia, Master Plo Koon actually ran away with it. With yeah, like I, I, 17. Second, second, second was Kit Fisto. Um, uh-huh. not really anybody else receiving votes. Uh, what do you, what do you think? Cause we don't get as much, uh, Master Plo 
as maybe I would like. Um, I really yeah. like Master Plo, but I, I yeah, I feel like Plo Koon, uh, Sir Squiddington himself. Uh, I, I think that he, I think we get a little drips and drabs of him, hence mm-hmm. like Hulk. But what he did, I, I really like him. The one thing that always stuck out to me was like when Ahsoka, I think, like went against Anakin's mission uh, wishes and like joined a mission to help yeah. him. And then when they came back, he essentially covered for her and said that he was the yeah. one to get word. Like, Plo Koon just seems like a guy you want to chill with. He seems you know, like, like a stand up. He's one of the only ones to stand up for Ahsoka and say, maybe we don't have all the facts here when she's accused of the bombing, too. Yeah. Like, he's like, actually, I, you know, we don't know that she's guilty. What are we doing? We're making There'll a lot of assumptions. Right now, there would be far fewer Star Wars if people were listening to Plo Koon. That's all I'm saying. Exactly, exactly. Instead of Kiati Mundi, because come on, this guy, this guy's a douche. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I I mean, I I I co-signed the the Discord. I'm a big Plo Koon guy, so I'm I'm all for you know. Whenever I see his tentacles show up uh, and weird little pilot's mask on screen, I'm like, all right, I'm 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 happy. Yeah, Kipisto is really fun. Kipisto is really fun too in the uh, My Calamari versus Quarren arc, which Mm -hmm. is basically an extended version of the Kipisto story we got in the shorts. We got in de- right down right. to his half naked body where he's diving into the water. You get that exact shot in this. It's really fantastic. Well, and um, I think also, uh, you know, Star Wars fans know that uh, a member of the Survivor production crew played Kit yeah. Fisto in Attack of the Clones. So now to actually, he's not voicing, I do believe it's Phil Lamar yeah. uh, doing his best, uh, you know, Hermes Conrad esque accent playing Kit Fisto. But it's fun to see him become like a fully built out character, including built That's- in the physical variety as well. Absolutely, I, I agree. And I, I did ask the patrons if uh, to give me a Cody versus Rex uh, tally, and it was another runaway for Rex. No, nobody voted for Cody, and I was I was a little disappointed. Like, give Cody a little respect, but I get it. Rex is the much better developed uh, clone commander yeah. during during this series. But I, I thought for sure Cody would at least get a couple of votes. But at the same time, you know, Rex didn't actually attempt well i mean he did attempt to kill his commander but you know <laughs> yeah well, and I, both did. <laughs> it also helps that uh you know i think that that rex pulls off the hairstyle as well right like he has True. the uh, does he have a shaved head or is it just bleach blonde it's that kind of shaved. Shaved. It's okay shaved. yeah so it's, it's more flesh color i thought for some reason like maybe the tint was off on my screen and he like bleached his hair like he was in the early 2000s or something i think it's i think it's a straight bald straight bald cap um so, Mike, I wanted to run through a few of the uh, recurring or guest no- guest voice actors of note okay. and see if maybe you can figure out who they voice. Oh, good. So, All right. This will be yeah. a, an exercise. So if I, if I told you Tim Curry was on oh. Clone Wars... I would assume he's going to... Now, I'm going to go with generic characters here. I'm going to assume he's going to play some sort of, like smuggler, right? Like some sort of criminal, because that that's just who Tim Curry's type is. That's a fantastic guess, but what if I told you he actually voiced Palpatine in seasons five and six? What? Yes, and then they brought in Ian McDermott for season seven. Oh, uh, wow. They just kept shuffling. Because, yeah, because I do believe the actor who originally played Palpatine died in the making correct. of the series, right? Yeah, Mr. Ian, Ian Abercrombie uh, passed away during season six and was replaced by Ten, or season five, and was replaced by Tim Curry in seasons five and six. Wow! And then 
they use actual footage of McDermott for season seven, and then also had him come in and uh, film some new lines. That's wild. I mean, Tim Curry is not one to shy away from doing TV. I do remember that I believe he did voices on, I want to say he did voices out of Captain Planet. I think he did a yep. voice on like Tailspin. As well. so, like, Tim Curry is surprisingly game to do. He's an incredibly talented dude. I love him. Uh, what if I told you Post Show Recap's favorite Clancy Brown had a voice Ooh. on the Clone Wars? Oh, yes. Kelvin Inman himself. I actually just saw him on The Crown playing Lyndon B. Johnson. I would Ooh. assume he was playing some sort of general, I would say, maybe like a Jedi general. Not a Jedi or a general. He is Savage Press. That was Clancy Brown is Savage Press. Mr. Yep. Krabs is Savage yep. Press. Can you believe that? Wow. I mean, Savage Press is right? constantly asking Maul when he gets paid. So I think that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, and let's let's round it out with uh, Star Wars favorite John Favreau. Oh, Favreau did a voice. Correct. Uh, yeah, and this was sort of the beginning of the working relationship with him and Filoni, I believe. So yeah. Did he voice a droid? He did not voice a droid. Okay, interesting. Who did, who did he voice? He is actually one of our least favorite characters on the Clone Wars, the Mandalorian douche general Previsla. Oh, yes, the guy who uh, temporarily gets become like works with Maul, right, to become correct. Yes. head of Mandalore before yeah, he is Maul the original leader of the Death Watch. Yeah. Yes, which is also was was also very interesting as well. Like finding out where Dinjarin essentially yep. comes from uh, was very interesting. How Bo-Katan was part of that, but then wasn't right. anymore. I, a couple of other famous faces that I knew. I know that Seth Green voiced uh, Cad Bane's main droid. That was one of those like, oh, yes. that voice sounds familiar. Let me look that up. And then this was brought up in the Discord uh, when I recently watched the Younglings arc. They are sort of on board with like I would essentially call him like the Ollivander. Uh, in that he was this mm-hmm. droid who like figures out the kyber crystals and builds the lightsabers. That was voiced by David Tennant, which was amazing. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I did not realize that. That's great. Yeah, so, that's so when you hear like the beleaguered, you know, uh, I, uh, chipper British voice, yeah, that's David Tennant. I can't think of David Tennant without screaming, Jessica! Yeah, or, uh, I mean, either that or, you know, it's maybe it's a segue between that and him going into full Scrooge McDuck with the Disney right, stuff. Right, this is right. really like a transitional project. But yeah, it just goes to show, and even like, Typical voice actors like Jim Cummings plays right. Hondo, and you can't yeah, help but hear you can't help but hear Tigger when you yeah, when you right, when you right, right. listen to Hondo, knowing who he is. Absolutely, and we should also shout out um, Katie Sackoff, who plays Bo-Katan, both yes. on the voice actor on this as well as showing up this year on The Mandalorian, where she got to reprise her role as Bo-Katan, which is incredible, and it, it actually was really cool for me because I just started this year watching Battlestar Galactica for the first time. Mm. I'm up I'm up through season two. I'm sort of taking a break right now. But it's re- it was really cool to now that I know her face and her from Battlestar Galactica to go back and listen to her on the Clone Wars and be like, oh yeah, that that's Starbuck. That's my Starbuck. She, yeah. She's in your life everywhere. She's in my life now. She's in, she's now everywhere. So yeah that is um yeah, that's about it. Uh, Sam Witwer obviously is the iconic voice of Darth Maul, mm-hmm. but he also voiced the son uh, in the Mortis arc. And I thought, oh, that that's was a interesting. Really bit. That's a fun yeah. little foreshadowing as well, right? For like the fact that he'd mm. show up in uh, as soon as later in that season. Absolutely, absolutely. 
Um, well, Mike, why don't we round it out with one of your favorite games? And I just wanted to read off a few of the most noticeable hats Ooh. in Star Wars, Clone Wars that I wrote down. Um, do you, what, what, who do you, who would you say has the more noticeable hat between Cad Bane's Ghidorah and Hondo and Naka's turtle shell helmet? Oh, it's, it's gotta be Cad Bane. No offense to Hondo. It suits him well, especially given like the, the desert like setting of what's the name of that planet? Like Farron or something like mm. that. His, 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 uh, his pirate planet. But I mean, that Cad Bane hat is so mm. freaking badass. Like this, that was the thing that made me sit up and say, who the hell is this blue skinned guy? It's, yeah. and it's a great callback to like, you know, Clint Eastwood spaghetti western stuff which i know that star wars mm-hmm. loves to homage as well and it just suits him so well i think both both actually suit the character well but i feel like cad baines is like the one you would want to wear more than just a turtle shell on your head right for sure and if you if you had to choose do you want the death watch helmets or do you want the red mandalorian helmets oh definitely the red mandalorian helmets that was sort of like a uh, maul's guard right after he yeah, takes the over the mandalore like those yeah. are the the people that are are standing guard yeah i mean i think not only that i think the death watch doesn't have the greatest connotation to it so i'd be That's more than fair. happy to like disassociate myself from these like borderline <laughs> civil war terrorists <laughs> fair enough fair enough well that uh, is about all I had for Amazing. those that I wanted to bring up. But I, uh, obviously, I love Hondo and I love um, Cad Bane, so I had to mention both of their hats. Of course. Um, as, as the most notable on Clone Wars, for sure. I mean, as they say, the clothes make the men, and those are certainly men that Absolutely. are made on this Absolutely. show. And, and Brendan, you made this podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and like giving us all the skinny on all things spoiler-free and spoiler-filled on the Clone Wars. As I said before, this is a show that I've enjoyed immensely, and to your point, it is due to the community that I get to now like salivate years after the fact about with this show, yourself included, and, and thank you for being the one to guide me through all of this and a lot of listeners today we didn't even have to go to dagobah we had our own yoda right oh. here well I, I thank you i really appreciate you having me on and i i hope the listeners uh had fun as well um you know i i hope that they heeded the spoiler warning or otherwise didn't care like you did as i completely destroyed season <laughs> six and seven with spoilers uh, but i i hope we also encourage people to go back and watch and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch and then yeah. slide into our mentions. Tell us what you thought. And we're, we're always, I'm always happy to talk about star Wars and I think you are too. So. Yeah. I mean, listen, it was a fantastic discussion. One in a million, if you will. <laughs> uh, so if, Brendan, if people want to, to keep up with you, you mentioned, you mentioned mentions beforehand. Uh, what do you have going on out there in the pot sphere and how can people keep up with it on social media? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Fidzy Brendan. I co-host currently a movie podcast with Bro- Zach Brooks called The Movie Ladder, where we watch a different movie each week that somehow relates to the movie we watched the week before it. Um, it's a lot of fun. We, we are actually on season two of that right now. Uh, we started it last year, and it's been probably, you know, one of the best things that I've done in quarantine. It's helped keep me sane. Mm. And I also get to podcast with one of my best friends. So that's always that's great. Amazing. And it's yeah, nice so, to finally be podcasting with more of my best friends and post-show recaps. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so, again, honored to be a part of your post-show recaps debut, just given, you know, how, what a seminal piece 
you were you really are one of the kyber crystals to the lightsaber that is potion recap have us shine so brightly and cauterize all wounds so thank you so much brendan uh, and of course you can follow me at a mike bloom type you can follow josh at round howard you can follow of course at post show recaps let us know your thoughts uh, about the clone wars your whether you agree or disagree with some of our opinions what you're looking forward to with the bad batch coverage of rebels as well again to refresh the schedule uh josh is going to be back in the pilot seat come april covering all things revenge of the sith much like uh, apparently the final episode of season seven of <laughs> does we're going to stop off at coruscant to stop general grievance it's going to be josh and ben martell doing the the recap proper and then there's going to be a dual debate slash feedback show with josh kevin and latanya once more that is all coming if you are subscribed to this long time to go only feed as well as post your recaps proper so much other stuff going on. I've, I've also uh, taken the helm from Josh for coverage of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. There's, of course, Lost Down the Hatch, Community Building, the X-Files podcast, the Bloom Files, the Walking Dead. There's so much stuff going on here at Post Show Recap. So make sure you're subscribed. We are busting more than ever as we cover TV then and now. So that's going to do it for this month's edition of A Long Time to Go. Josh is going to be back next month. Date. TBD, but, but you know, stay tuned to your podcast feed. Keep a lookout for a transmission for Re- Revenge of the Sith coverage to come. But for now, we're going to let Corey B take it out with that sweet, sweet bop of a tune. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hello.